0: eligible items only exclusions apply see ebaymotors.com get the house you want with the payment you want at buywithconrad.com you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this at buywithconrad.com NMLS number 65084 equal housing lender the first step to buying a house is buywithconrad.com
1: The words have been spoken and everyone is saying that the extreme life of Matt Hardy is one of the best pro wrestling podcasts out there. We always appreciate your support and those five star reviews. So here's what you can do. If you love the extreme life of Matt Hardy, hell, if you love Matt Hardy, Go and find this podcast on whatever streaming service you use and leave that five-star review. If you send us a screenshot of your five-star review at Matt Hardy Pot on Twitter or Instagram, you'll be entered to win in an exclusive Extreme Life of Matt Hardy giveaway. With that said, enjoy this week's podcast. Yeah.
2: My skin's dying because you're under it I'm done lying to myself for this For all the wondering believing that it's making me weak I'll fade away and classify myself as absolute.
1: Words are about to be spoken here on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy presented to you exclusively by podcast heat i'm john alba joined as always by the man of the hour who's i mean he's into it right now this is a this is matt hardy uh after dark as we tape this this has been a long day of travel for matt hardy it's late at night but we're bringing the extreme life to you matt how are you my friend
2: i'm very good i'm sitting in in the penthouse of uh one of the biggest hotels in downtown houston so i'm ready to rock and roll man i got i have my uh Array of beverages. I know it was going to be a good night because I got a power punch pool. And on top of that, I have a Diet coke, uh, diet Pepsi. I'm sorry. Go with the Pepsi brand. And then obviously my water, as I stress, you can never overhydrate. Stay hydrated. Very water is very therapeutic for the inside and outside of your vessel.
1: Very true. And if you are worried that if you're not getting enough water, well, you shouldn't let it all play out. But if you want it, to play out, you can head over to Box of T- Box of Gimmicks, and pick yourself up a T-shirt because both Matt Hardy and I are rocking the Let It Play Out shirt. Coincidentally, we did not set this up ahead of time, but I'm very glad that you are, Matt. Uh, I saw that you were wearing your Matt Fact or Matt Fiction T-shirt in the car with first name Sham, last name Payne this week. Correct. You had a very successful weekend trip, I hear.
2: We did. It was a lot of fun. It, it was. Uh, it was really cool to spend the weekend and spend time in the car. Uh, get in some road miles with uh, First Name Sham, Last Name Payne. It's been a while since we've done that, and it was really cool because on the Saturday night, we got to wrestle with Gangrel, and I hadn't seen Gangrel in forever. Gangrel and Joy Janella had a fun little match there. They had the biggest attendance they'd ever had in this venue, and they've been running it pretty regular for 15 or 16 years, which is always a good sign when you're on top. And uh, Champagne was able to wrestle that night. Someone uh, didn't show up, so he actually, he got a little ring time, and he, he got a little payday, so it was nice.
1: Very nice. And On top of it, Manny Fernandez was not there to steal anyone from Omega's pay. So that was always a good day at the office.
2: And it it, it was very cool, too. Marty decided to go ahead and make the trip because there was a a convention the next day that we did in the afternoon uh, where Jeff and I signed for about four hours. And this was right outside of Baltimore. And then we had an MCW event that night. And it was actually their first ever event on Fight TV. So that was very cool. Myself and Jeff wrestled for the first time ever. The OGK. Matt Taven and Mike Bennett and uh, I was really proud of that match. Jeff was too. Everybody felt really good about it. Uh, it, it could have definitely, it could have been a TV match. We uh, went out, worked real hard, had a smart match, super entertaining. Uh, we did some stuff with the Juke that was so much fun. I don't want to spoil it for anyone. If anyone is going to go watch it later, hopefully when I get some clips and footage of that, I'll put out put out uh, videos of it. But uh, very proud of both those guys. Uh, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett have both grown so much in the ring as professionals, and they were great.
1: Matt Taven is a hell of a trainer, by the way. He's doing awesome work over in that New England scene. I've worked with a lot of talent that have come from him, and he's really pumping out some great talent. So big shout-out to him. And Mike Bennett, man, a a guy who has come such a long way himself, has overcome addiction, and he's crushing it right now.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was was a cool experience uh, sharing the ring with those guys and having that match.
1: And how was Gangrel?
2: uh gang girl is great man he's just he says you know i'm old uh weathered beat up you know we just complain about the same stuff every time i see him but he was doing well you know he's had some stem cell treatment which i'm uh, definitely interested in doing in the future and he said he got great results out of it so uh, i hear nothing but good things and i know the further uh time ticks the 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 better the stem cell treatment will become so I'm, i'm looking forward to doing that down the road
1: once that brood music hits man he is over like 1999 it is so awesome in that big beat and i saw you reunited with steve blackman this blew up the internet
2: how was steve? yeah uh, he was good man it was so funny he came over to our table and said hey guys i heard you were here like holy shit like what a line you have like so good to see you he said man i never do this shit he said i hate these things he said like i just came because i knew there were a lot of the boys here that i wouldn't like see i hadn't saw him forever he said, so how are you? He said, you guys look good. He said, you've been doing this for a long time now, right? I said, "Damn, hey, you look good. You look all the same. You know, your hair's just a little more peppered, a little sprinkled with a little gray in there. Uh, but he looked great physically, and it was fun talking to him. He said, hey, if you guys ever need to get in contact with him, you know the deal. Bell Bondsman. He said, you know how to look me up. You can look it up around the internet. <laughs> he was so, so funny. Such a, such a, such a great guy. He was always such a cool and badass guy. It's just, the the whole thing about him, he was just such a different wrestler. And, and it was before... I feel like my skills had grown enough to really understand how to work with someone that was so totally opposite and different of you. But it was great seeing him, man. Always uh, had nothing but good things to say about him. And a lot of legendary stories about Steve Blackman, like a legitimate badass who back in the day he did a lot of black op training. I'm sure he's killed people. JBO used to say all the time, he said, Steve Blackman, how many people have you killed? And he would just say, like, keep moving on. It was like a running joke forever. I mean, he literally, he was like back in, he was did military stuff, black ops stuff. Big there's tub, great, big tub stuff.
1: There's a great story in Hardcore Holly's book, which is one of the most underrated pro wrestling books ever. If you haven't checked it out, he tells an incredible story about Steve Blackman nearly uh, beating JBL to death. Uh, and JBL was saved by an incidental trip. And it's worth your time. Steve Blackman, a legit.
2: What, what, was it the one of the baggage claim? Yes. I was there. You were there. I was there.
1: Can you provide real quick your your take on that?
2: I I saw the the tail end of it, and okay. I, I I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like I feel like the story has grown. You know, it is it is really become a sprawling legend as time has gone on. I, I feel like it wasn't as massive of a story as people made it out to be but i don't know i I didn't see it all i did see the very tail end of it and i did see the trip as well
1: basically the crux of it is steve blackman uh, had his ass grabbed by jbl and he was not about it and he said if you do it again i'm gonna whip your ass right here in public and guess what he did it again and i guess he went at him and then his foot or something got caught on some baggage tag and it allowed jbl to kind of get out of it but then uh, everyone showed up in catering and there was a confrontation and he was ready to throw down in front of everybody. So uh, don't cross Steve Blackman. That's the moral of the story here. And- yeah,
2: I mean, that, 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 was, that was a very well-known fact back in the day. There and he go. was one of those guys, he, he didn't mess with anyone. He didn't cause anyone trouble. He, he wasn't like a, a mean river or a haze or anything, but he was just one of those guys like, this is like a legit guy you don't want to cross. You don't want to piss this guy off. Everybody knew that.
1: Well, Matt, the last thing I want to tee up for you before we get into the meat and bones of our episode is this promo that you cut on Being the Elite that everybody is talking about. And it's Friday now as you hear this. If you get early access on ad-free shows, maybe it's Thursday. But this was one of the most passionate promos of your career. And I I was ready to run through a wall by the end of it. How therapeutic was that to get off your chest? And where do you think things might be headed with the Young Bucks?
2: Oh, well, it's definitely taking is definitely taken a much more serious tone as you could tell by the uh, vibe of that promo. Uh, it, it really was like uh, it was like a real life conversation in many ways and that's kind of how I, I based it and I, I really didn't try and memorize things or I didn't try and have like a pre-planned statement of what I wanted to say. I just knew basically I I, I wanted to approach the young bucks. And I wanted to tell them when we first started, we were just like them, probably more pure than they were, you know, but then we got into the business when it was in a time like the the wild, wild West, as I've described it. And on top of the, just the, the the bad conduct and the hazing and, and the stuff that was kind of forced upon young guys and, and kind of the things they push you to do. I mean, it was just a very, very different time. And uh, I mean, there, there's a reality of that. Like if the young bucks had to be thrust into that environment, I don't know, could they have survived? Would they have ended up uh, attaining the success they had. You know, but not only did we get in there and and become accepted and and be able to thrive in that environment, then we actually survived everything where some guys didn't. We not only survived the the bad parts of the business, we also uh, survived the the physical beatdowns that we took, you know, week in and week out, you know, because we weren't just doing regular matches on the regular. We were having ladder matches, table matches, cage matches, TLC matches. We were doing these giving matches, taking these outrageous bumps, especially my brother. And on top of all the bumps he's taken and you know, his history, everyone knows his history. He's very open about all that. It's just like, honestly, considering he is alive and as healthy as he could possibly be at this age, it's a miracle. It really is a miracle. And I wanted to just throw that stuff on the Young Bucks and say, before you, you know, poke the bears The legit goat bears, you know, just remember where we've come from and what we've done and, and, and and who we are. I mean, we, we are, we are hard to put down. So just keep that in mind before you poke us.
1: There were a few allusions to some things you've talked about on the podcast too, in that, which uh, I thought was really cool. And, go out of your way guys find it it was epic go find Jeff's match with Darby Allen from last week if you haven't watched it because it was incredible the reaction on your face to everything that was happening very real and authentic very clear uh, they crushed it man they absolutely crushed it
2: yeah i mean it, it was incredible and and you have to keep in mind too especially the people that are watching this podcast they're 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 in the loop they're in the they're in the know i mean not only did Jeff do that but then we went and we had a, a 20 minute match against Gangrel and Joy Janela in front of a couple thousand people. On Saturday night, you know, and then got back in the car. and We were driven by first name Sham, last name Payne, thankfully. And then we went up to Baltimore and had a 25-minute match, you know, with the OGK, you know, live on Fight TV. And, and he killed it in both of those two. You know, like he, the dude is a warrior, man. Dude is a warrior. And, and when I said that to the Young Bucks, one of the parts that I highlighted is there will never be two people like us, especially brothers – that are as unbreakable, as resilient, and and as indestructible as myself and Jeff. And I'll hang my hat on that one.
1: I love it, man. Well, we're talking about great promos. This week, we are discussing one of the best promos of his generation, and that is Bray Wyatt and the introduction of Woken Matt Hardy. And we're talking about that this week because this is, in fact, uh, May 23rd will be Bray Wyatt's birthday. It will be his 32nd birthday. So you know what else May 23rd is John. It is the day Owen Hart passed, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Uh, well, it it I'm may sorry be. Sorry if I'm taking that in a bad direction there, but I'm. No, 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 It's, it's fine. fine. It, it may okay. be, and, and that, that's a monumental date if, if that's the case. But May 23rd is also, if I'm not mistaken, May 23rd is the day that myself and Jeff first debuted for WWE in 1994. How about that? That was on live, live television. Very. So, cool. I'm pretty positive it was May 23rd. All right. yeah, the internet will definitely tell me 100% whenever, whenever that day comes. I'll get like 10 or 15 notifications that on this day in history, uh, Nikolai Volkov defeated Matt Hardy live on Raw, you know,
1: and you that told me. Say, you will say according to the net, so that's your gimmick. So yes. we're celebrating Bray Wyatt, 32 years old this coming year, and uh, he is an absolutely spectacular talent. So with that said, Matt Hardy, hit us with that Matt fact.
2: Matt fact, Matt views Bray Wyatt as a kindred spirit.
1: I like it, and I believe it wholeheartedly.
2: So our story
1: starts in mid September of 2017. Mm-hmm. You and Jeff, you've had your tag team championship run. We talked about it, WrestleMania 33 episode in the archive. Go check it out. Right you've know. run your matches with the Bar. We're going to talk about some of those coming up soon. How'd you feel about your run throughout the spring into the summer with Jeff upon returning to the company?
2: It was okay. I I mean, I didn't have unrealistic expectations whenever I returned to WWE. I was very much comfortable with who I am, my position in the industry, and I I understood going back to WWE WWE at that time, it wasn't going to be a TNA impact situation where I had all the say. It wasn't going to be an ROH where I had a super easy schedule and had tons of input into whatever I wanted to do, whatever. I I knew it was going to be different. I knew it would have a little bit but I also knew Jeff and I now were in the 40 and older club, and I knew Vince sees those guys different, especially guys who weren't like tippy top guys in the industry. You know, so, so I knew we would have that as an uphill battle, too. They would still want to lean into us as a nostalgia act, and I get that, and I think that's okay to do time to time in the right scenario, but also, too – you know me, John, like I, I want to do something fresh. I want to do something new and, and I don't want to rely. I don't want to be, I love Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson to death, but I don't want to do just the rock and roll express on my career and really rely on that. I want to have different evolutions and, and different personas. And, and that's, that's part of the fun to me. It's part of, it's, it's part of the art form. I think, you know, creating new things for yourself and getting it over and making it work and being successful. And you have to do those things and not be afraid to fail. But, you know, when we came back, obviously the lawsuit was still going on the thing with Anthem. So, we had been pitched initially. Hunter said, like, hey, come back. We have this Hardy Boys run. He said, hey, hopefully we can get everything settled. He said, and then we can have, you know, m- maybe a Broken Mount Hardy run. He said, we can get them both. And he was very genuine about that whenever he said that. And it was very important to me, as I've expressed many, many times, to come back to WWE and be the model employee for three years and leave on the highest note and let Vince and company know how much I appreciate them. And And, and also, I was very outspoken about how bad I hated how I left there because I was in such a – a poor state of mind and it's such a poor state altogether. I wanted to come back and be the employee and I wanted to, to do WWE right whenever I was there for my final run.
1: So you're doing this hybrid Matt Hardy character. You kind of look like broken Matt, but you're just acting as a a standard Hardy boy, a human being, no extraterrestrial vessels to be found. You were simply Matt Hardy with Jeff Hardy and you're having this run here. And on September 18th, 2017, Because every good Matt Hardy story starts with a Jeff Hardy injury. Here's what happens. It's a six-pack challenge for the Intercontinental Championship. Jason Jordan defeats Bo Dallas, Curtis Axel, Elias, Jeff, and yourself. But that is not the story. The story is Jeff tears his rotator cuff and has to undergo surgery. How do you remember the injury happening? What do you remember your reaction being? And did Jeff Hardy call Dixie Carter just like he did (laughs) after jumping the mountain bike? (laughs)
2: Uh, Well, one thing I want to say to to go back, uh, you said I was kind of like a hybrid of a hardy boy and, uh, you know, a broken Matt character. It was very important to me. Like, obviously, I knew I was doing the hardy boys, but I wanted to keep some remnants of broken Matt there to make sure people didn't forget about him. I didn't want to fully commit. And to me, also, I feel like it was continuity because, you know, I left and I even tried to put some sort of story. And I think I probably told on social media myself. I just said, you know, now that we completed the expedition of gold, and I'm back at WWE now. It is time for us to, you know, go back and celebrate our career here as Team Extreme. And you know, Broken Matt is now laying dormant for for the time being. You know what, uh, Zenith is laying, laying dormant for the time being. Is uh, kind of how I justified all that. So, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Jeff had injured his shoulder a little bit on the road on some house shows we had done maybe in the last week or last couple of weeks, but it had been progressively getting worse and bothering him. And then he took some bump in that, in that uh, six pack challenge match and he really threw it out. And then there was a point where we were going and I gave him a side effect and the side effect is where he said it was excruciating. Like he said, like, fuck, fuck. I thought I was going to have sur- surgery then absolutely right then. Like he said, that was like the, the worst, you know, and he's, He's a tough son of a bitch. I mean, just like one of the toughest things <laughs> being you ever you will ever encounter. You know, but like he said that uh that side effect, he said he hurt his shoulder before and it was bad, but that side effect like was really hard on him. But then he toughed it out, obviously finished the match. And then uh we we knew he was injured and it seemed like it was gonna be a pretty big deal too. And you know, he'd been so lucky because he didn't have major surgeries for, you know, over twenty years. You know, it was insane that he went so long like that, you know. So I I, I feel like the the injury is one of those things where it's like, eventually in time, it's always going to catch up to you. So I, I figured I would try and take this time wherever he was away with an injury, and I was going to try and, and reinvent myself. And I didn't know. I, I honestly, it was hard to take the temperature, Vince. I didn't know like if he he knew the broken Matt Hardy thing and the broken universe and all the delete chances. Like, why well, we got hot again? And that's that is hundred percent, which I was told to him, to his face, from his face to my face in face to face conversation. That is why we came back because we were so hot and so talked about and and so 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 white hot in the industry as is Broken Matt and Brother Nero. But I didn't know how into like doing a version of Broken Madden he was on a show because he never really talked about it, like what is his thing, he'd never really seen it, he just knew it was out there. Other guys, the writers. Who worked for him, and you know, there was a gaggle of writers at that time. They all knew it, and they dug it. There was a lot of guys who were really big fans of the different things we did. You know, someone would say, "Oh my God, I love George Washington smoking Jeff Frazier. Like, "Oh my God, when you did the expedition of golden, you teleport, it is the greatest thing ever!" You know, so so that was always interesting. But I I decided when Jeff was hurt, I said, "I'm going to try and, and reinvent myself," and I actually started on a path that was a different character than a broken or woken Matt Hardy to start with. And what was that character? Uh. I think you had referenced this where I worked with Elias, right?
1: Yes. We're, so okay. I, I, I know what you're saying. We're going to get there. I, I want to wait to get there then yeah. because, because this is important, laying down yep. this timeline. Yep. So I, I was just going to bring up the point. It, it's amazing to me, Matt, how many parallels there are to the story that we told before, which, again, extensively available in our archive, the Becoming Broken series. Except last time you kind of stumbled into the broken character and now right. we're purposely potentially going into that territory. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that there weren't necessarily any plans to go in that direction prior to the injury happening at that juncture? No. Okay. None. Did you envision a broken character in WWE would also include brother Nero?
2: I, I mean I thought it would. I thought if we did a uh, a broken character run, I could one hundred percent see Brother Nero being on it. I mean he, okay. he just fits and he, he would want to. I know he, he really he really enjoyed that and loved that. He really he, he still had a big thing, even his last couple of years when he was at WWE after you know they added on time to his deal and everything else. Like he, he wanted to do a Willow appearance too. That was very important to him. You know, he 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 really has a great love. And passion for both of those characters, Willows and brother and brother Nero, and he would have loved to do them both. And I one hundred percent thought it would have a fit would have fit with a uh, with a woken Matt character. And unfortunately, we only got it kind of one time.
1: Yeah. So then you're cool. in purgatory. Here, there's there's no plans for you to have a change in character, but you're no longer in a tag team either. You're veteran Matt Hardy, and we know in WWE, <laughs> old vets don't typically have the best luck on television. Was there any concern on your behalf that you might get lost in the wayside without Jeff there?
2: Um, I mean, sure. I, I think, but like, I just, I don't, I didn't overly stress out about this stuff. You know, we came back, we had a, a, a good guarantee. Uh, I was pretty well liked with everyone and they knew I was someone that was dependable. And if they would put me in the ring with whoever or whatever, you know, I would go and I would hold up my end of the deal. You know, so I started doing different matches and there was a deal where it seemed like there was something in mind for me to do something, to change characters in some way. And, and I wasn't too privy to everything, but I know Elias, he actually had pitched to me at first. He's like, hey, are you doing anything now? Because I would love to work with you. Could we sit back and maybe talk and come up with an idea to like have some sort of program together or, or work, have some sort of rivalry on TV? That, that was kind of the first thing I really remember. I remember having a quick match with Braun where they wanted Bron to get a strong win, and we did it. And then I acted a couple times. I acted differently after it. I acted very serious and, like, very stoic and, and serious, just like I was doing something different, not the Bob of the outgoing, happy, extreme, celebratory, hearty boy.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old.
0: Are you feeling stuck making minimum payments on your credit card debt? SaveWithConrad.com can help, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments right now at SaveWithConrad.com.
1: Well, before that Elias program, you had a little chance to work with Jason Jordan and The Miz, too. I, I want to tee up on Jason Jordan because I don't know how much of American Alpha you got to see back when he was in NXT with Chad Gable and they got the call-up to the main roster. I, I think they could have been an all-time great tag team together, and I think them and the Hardy Boys mixing it up would have been outstanding. But he's doing a little singles run here, and unfortunately we know his career would be cut short due to a neck injury, and he's a producer right now in WWE. He's also Kurt Angle's son. I don't know if you've heard that. but
2: uh I was there. I was there when they did the DNA test. Oh, were you? Interesting.
1: And Kurt Kurt Angle also has a gaggle of children. But uh, what do you think of working with Jason Jordan? Because I, I don't envision we'll talk about him much more. But I, I want to give him his flowers. He was a very talented athlete, and I wish we could have seen more from him.
2: So, uh, a, a, a very talented athlete and an extremely nice guy. Uh, very very likable. Very fun to be around with. Uh, great personality. Very kind. Uh, I have nothing but great things to say about him, you know, and, and he's one of those guys you could tell, like, he's the, you know, he's the real deal, too. He's a, he's a real deal athlete. And he was also very respectful and also very open to, like, insight and, like, ideas from from different people and, and vets and whatnot. No, I had great experiences all, the, all around with Jason Jordan. So you do something
1: with The Miz and then we get... To Elias, you just mentioned.
2: Yeah, I, I did too with Miz. I actually worked him. I remember being concerned about this as a singles guy. Really? I worked with Miz on a European tour. Yes. And uh, we did 10, 11, 12 days. It was a lot of days back to back. And I was like, oh shit, like uh, singles matches, like all these days back to back. And I actually got to go out and work, you know, as opposed to like doing everything else. But like Miz is so good too. He's so, he's so good at doing Shakespeare and he gets it. He like gets how to like work and get the most out of the people. And he's very comfortable in his spot uh, of who he is and, and how he works. And I, and I really respect him for that. And I, and I also give him kudos for that as well. So uh, I'm a big fan of the Miz. And like Miz and I, we had great matches over there too. I mean, I, I liked him from back in the day. And I remember he said this later. I, th- I think he said while oh, we were in the European tour. He said, man, I just want to say again, thank you so much. When guys like JBL hated me. And, and he would come, he would tell me every day at TV, I sure can't wait to see your exciting match tonight, Miss." Very sarcastic every single day. He'd say, you know, and they would do stuff with my gear or hide it or kick me out of the locker room, whatever it may be. When he first got hired, he said, you were always nice to me. He said, like, you didn't have to be. You're like this already like vet legend. And you were like always so nice to me. So thank you. I always appreciate that. And, uh, you know, we we had to, to wrestle a couple of times back in the day too. And he had good matches. And he's a guy who I could tell just like, in his soul loved pro wrestling. And I mean, I can relate to that because I love pro wrestling. That's why I wanted to do this. And obviously he took a different route because he was on the real world, but you know, he loves pro wrestling at his heart. So I, 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 uh, I I dig, I dig working with the Miz and I dig the Miz in general.
1: He has to have one of the most unlikely career paths ever in professional wrestling and to ascend to the levels that he did. Yeah. WWE champion. Yeah. uh, one of the most decorated intercontinental champions ever, and a legit crossover guy. He's done movies, he's done reality TV shows. He's made a living for himself, and he's married to Maurice too. So he he ended up doing okay. Uh, he did for, all right at the end of the day. I'm with you on that, man. The so kid, the kid had a
2: pretty good run.
1: He did have a good run, and he's still kicking ass too. Uh, so on to Survivor Series. It's a kickoff match, and Elias beats you. And the following night on Raw, you interrupt him in a segment, You brawl, and that's that. That's the last we see of you and Elias. So right. what was the deal there? You just said he came to you with some ideas, but nothing took off.
2: All right. So uh, this is where uh, this podcast is very fun because I get to reveal stuff that has never been revealed before. So we had talked about having a little program and we had some ideas and I turned in an idea. Uh, in hopes of winning Vince over on it, selling him on, on it. And and I think the writers liked it. And I don't know what his final reaction to was it. Uh, I don't know what his final reaction to my idea was, but I had an idea about after I had these loss and I was being a, a little more serious, a little more solemn, I wanted to just be almost like, fuck it. What do I have to lose anymore? You know, like my brother's hurt. He's gone. I should, I just, I shouldn't care about anything. I should just do whatever, go out. Like who cares? I can fight the biggest guy that's supposed to kill me. And if I lose, so what, whatever. That, that's the kind of mentality I was trying to, and I wanted to call the, the persona Matthew, the foolhardy. And that was an idea that I had pitched. And that's something we were talking about shifting into with this thing, with Elias, uh, where once again, like I was saying it could be a match, in the middle of the show. And I just run in and I jump him and I jump the other guy. What just super unpredictable, loose cannon type person who is just, will do anything who just doesn't care.
1: Little who James- has like no. Gotcha. Okay. A little, what? a little James Dean kind of thing. Rebel without a cause. You're just out there doing your thing.
2: Maybe, but also someone who has like no concept of fear, who has no concept of repercussions. They don't care, whatever. You know, just someone who's almost like legit snapped uh, along those lines, but in, in a much more realistic uh, reality-based type wrestling vibe. So that that is the one thing that I had talked about doing. And a couple of the writers really liked it, and we talked about doing some segments going forward. And then, uh, you know, we did those couple things with Elias, and then obviously I showed up for the next Raw on Monday, and what happened, John?
1: The segment after that beatdown you're saying that you guys yeah. had? Yes. Well, the next week, November 27th, 2017, you face Bray Wyatt in a singles match. And he beats you with Sister Abigail in a little over two minutes. Then afterwards, you're in the corner. There's no commentary. The camera's pretty tight on you. You're getting increasingly frustrated. And then all of a sudden, you let out a delete. And then another. And then another. And your body... It's convulsing. Delete, delete the crowd, sees something's happening here. It's very apparent that we're about to see a change in the Matt Hardy character.
2: So here's how that goes. So I'd had this idea I'd talked about and a lot of the writers seem to be on board with it. And I was, you know, ready to do something that was gonna be a WWE creation, right? Matthew the foolhardy, and you know, we'll try this thing, you know, I'll try and do this reinvention again. You know, I have to try a ton of different things. A lot of things work. Some things haven't. But, you know, you can't be afraid to try. So that day, I remember we worked on the weekends. And Wyndham, who was Bray Wyatt, uh, I always got along great with him. And he would tell me stories from when he first came around with NXT, when I was living like a crazed rock star lifestyle. That, at that juncture, in my life was like, oh, my God, like some of the things with you are legendary, the stories. And I'm like, but you're always so cool to me. Like, it's so cool. And I told him, you know, I'm so happy for everything you've done, the success, and it was so cool. And we were even doing that banter, like interpromotional stuff between like Broken Matt and Bray Wyatt, whatever. So I get to Raw a little late that day because I end up driving from the town. I end up staying halfway between where the house show and the television was. And I remember getting to, to TV that day and I start pulling up, and I may have been a, a few minutes later, or whatever. And then all of a sudden, Bray walks out to his car to get something. He said, Oh shit. He said, He said, when well, you excited about today? And I said, what do you mean? He said, you, you haven't heard? And about that time, I see Michael. Michael has texted me. Michael Hayes says, He says, I, I, I need you to text me right now. I need you to call me. He said, I got to get you some FaceTime with Vince. And uh, I texted him. I said, I, I'm here. I'll be in in on just one second. He said, Yeah. He said, Today we're starting the whole Bray Wyatt Broken Mount Hardy angle. It's starting today here on TV. I said, Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And then I walk I walk in the building and Michael says, like, what, what the fuck, where are you at? I said, oh, man, I had to drive in, you know, from wherever it was. I had to stop because of whatever, blah, 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 blah. I said, so he said, well, you got some time. He said, he said Vince wants to sit down. He wants you to explain all this broken man hearty shit to him from beginning to end. He wants to know everything about it. You're going to have probably 20, 30 minutes face down with him. He said, you need to tell him the origin of this character. Tell him what's all about. He said, they're ready to do this shit. All right. All right. And uh, that that's how I found out that was happening that day. I had no clue. I figured I was still going to continue doing the Elias deal.
1: My jaw is like literally dropped because that is the most WWE thing that I have ever heard. Yeah. This long anticipated character that everyone has been waiting and waiting for and figured, okay, they're going to build to this thing. It's going to happen, literally happened on a whim because Vince McMahon decided today's the day.
2: So uh, we get in there, and uh, I talk with Vince. And this is one of my, this is probably my favorite interaction with Vince ever. Just sitting in here, and he, he just, <laughs> he says, "Okay, uh, I'm sure Michael's told you what we're doing. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna try and do this. It's broken, Matt Hardy, right? Is it's the thing?" He said, "Uh, you know, let's let's do something. I, I have some ideas, and I I think this would be good. I mean, like, let's." let's what can we do about the name though? I know that there was, a, there was an issue with it. Like I, I haven't seen it. So I want you to tell me all about? It. I don't know. Any, I don't, I don't know anything about it. So I just know these people, these, these fuckers keep saying delete. Every time I read the house show reports, it's delete, delete, delete. They're, they just won't stop saying it. It's been almost a year. They keep saying delete. Fuck. Let's give them what they want. And, uh, and then we're sitting down there and, uh, <laughs> he said, so you, you think you could be shattered Matt Hardy? Um, Something along those lines, and I said, I'll I'll be honest. I said, I've thought about this. I said, I feel like the best thing to go with would be woken Matt Hardy, just because like woke is like a word in pop culture and it's something that like younger kids use, it's kind of trendy or whatever. Like, and woken Matt Hardy sounds so similar to broken Matt Hardy, and I could, I feel like I could do a lot of plays off that. Like, this, this spirit, this essence is woken inside of me. He said, Oh, okay, well, let's think about that. He said, Tell me about this. Tell me about this. Tell me about the broken Matt Hardy. Tell me. I, 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 tell me about the broken Matt Hardy. How would you come up with this? I said, well. I said, well, I said, are you familiar with True Blood? And he said, huh? I am sorry. It's, it's a vampire show. And I should have known that anyway. I said, it's a vampire show. And, and I was watching True Blood, right? I said, I became a big fan of, like, serious television, you know, in, in the last few years. So I'm watching True Blood, and I'm watching Eric Northman, Alexander Skarsgård. And, like, you know, you see him in, you know, the, the seven, you know, the 17, late 1700s. And then you see him, you know, he's in Europe and now his hair's long and he's totally dressing different. And now you see him in France and he's speaking French and, you know, he has a different haircut and he's like, has all these changes and, and it's all these different period pieces. And I was like, man, such a, such a mark for how they live in these different time periods and they have different looks and they're immortal, but they don't change. I said, like, is there any way I'm thinking to myself, telling business, I could apply that to a wrestling character to a wrestling persona I said that's what i would love to do because that would be so cool obviously if i'm not immortal so uh, i mean i can't do that in real life in real time i said so what if i could say i was cognizant or aware and i'm telling Vince this, explaining the whole lore behind broken mat and he's just mm. and he's very attentive you know the whole while he's just kind of mm. the whole while i'm speaking i said so you know what if i'm aware Of where my soul, which I have now coined as my essence to to make it a little different, put my own spin on it. If I'm aware of where my soul's been, you know, it's a big thing, right? In religion, you know, your soul goes on to heaven or some people believe in reincarnation. Your soul goes into something else, whatever. So let me start with that. So that's where it started. I said, so what if a couple thousand years ago, there's this soul, this very powerful soul that's created. And it's called Zenith. That's the name of the soul. And, and, and it's in this one body. And then, like, when this body dies, it goes on to another body. And it continues to go into these different bodies. And then all of a sudden, it came into mine, into Matt Hardy's body. But now I'm aware of my soul because this injury happened. And what I'll use in this thing we're doing with Bray, because Bray's like a supernatural being. His touch and Sister Abigail could be someone maybe I've known in my past. I've ran across it. And it, and it, and it wakes up the 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 soul inside me so i become woken zenith becomes woken he's like oh okay all right he said so where would this character do promos at and i remember he just asked him so where where would this character do promos and i said well i you know the whole thing too i tried to put a spin on like when jeff and i were winning all the tag titles i was saying we're the greatest tag team in space and time and i tried to like create a different venue for myself where it wasn't just like normal wrestling. This thing was definitely like out of the wrestling venue. And I feel like the more ro- remote locations that I shoot things and the, the kind of the, the, the better it feels, the more natural it feels then, you know, the ring, you know, being in the ring and having regular wrestling matches or, 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 or more uh, uh, attractions or, or like special times, you know, I feel like that's, that's, that's how this character is the most successful. If you want to get the most out of it and you let him entertain in these remote locations. So you know, space and time is kind of like the concept I've you know kind of attached to it in the lore. And he goes, "Oh, space, space and time." Um, so so this character he would do promos in, in a planetarium, and I said, "Oh well, I don't I don't know." Yeah, he said, "Space and time sounds good. Maybe maybe a promo in a planetarium." And then I said, "Oh well, I mean maybe like I, I feel like too there could be kind of like a, a good." Difference. If Abigail touched me, brings out the light in me and, and that's darkness It's like the basic concept of good versus evil kind of light and dark. I feel like that's a good play on it. Said, so you think we do we do promos in a planetarium and he hit me with that like three or four times. I'll never forget, man. It was so funny. And then I was going on and I said, no, I've incorporated other things into it, too. You know, like as far as vampires go, you know, they would bite. So this guy's also like more primal. You know, he's, he's almost like an animal. That's kind of how I want to do it. You know, like I would do a lot of things where I take blood capsules and, and bite people and that blood capsule would be in my mouth and on them, whatever. Like, almost, you know, like an animal. You know, I, I know you have a big fascination, you know, with evolution and animals. How, like, you know, one animal that is bigger and stronger or wild will, like, kill an animal of prey. He told me a crazy story about that years ago, which I'm sure I'll tell you in the future. I said, so I know, I know you know all about this. So he's kind of like that, you know, blah, 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 blah. I said so. He's very primal too. That's that's one of the things with Spud. He's very intelligent, you know, and he can also communicate with other essences, you know, like if they're animals or whatever. And he's like, mm, mm. and I can see when he said, I can communicate with other animals. He's like, oh god. And he's like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I do need to drug test him right now. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was such a wild experience. Is he writing any did he
1: write of that. this
2: down? Oh no no we're just having a conversation. <laughs> we're sitting. Uh, we're sitting across from one another on a couch in his chair on a couch. Okay. And then we, we went in a couple other things. I was telling him, This is why I did this and that. I said, And I did this whole character in the beginning because Jeff is like so passionate and he thinks he has to please his fans. He has to do Swantons and Whisper in the Winds and dives out of the ring every single night. I wouldn't let him jump off the top rope. I said, Because he was being a spot monkey. I said, in your essence can go anywhere. But if it does go into a spot monkey, it's lost forever. And he's going, Well, oh. He said, well, do you think this character would do a promo in planetariums? <laughs> I mean, that was like a reoccurring theme in here. So anyway, we 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 uh, we we talk about. It. I mean, it, it's it's th- like 32 minutes is how long we're in there having conversations about all this. And I really tried to explain things. I said like I can talk about. I'm aware of my other characters, and I've lived in different places all over the world. And it's just like I I know how many cycles of essences I've been in, whatever. And it's just like. He, he he was I have a great appreciation for Vince because he sat back and he listened to all of it. He seemed open to all of it. Half the time he's looking at me like I was a fucking raving lunatic. But he was. He listened to every single, every single minute of it.
1: Did you demonstrate then, the character for him?
2: I did. I even tried to explain kind of like what where the speech was. I said the speech, you know, is from the year three thousand. You know, in the future, it is just uh, uh, one of the this, – this character does different things. This, this character, he can speak different languages. He's, he's very well-versed. It's very special. It's a supernatural character, but he's also I, – I also always envisioned the broken universe. I loved having Rebbe and Senior Benjamin, Benny, as part of it because we can put up those Spanish subtitles. Like I – if we'd stayed in TNA, I wanted to have, like, all different characters. I wanted, like, French subtitles, and I wanted Indian subtitles. I just I wanted to make it, like, huge, like, worldwide, super cultural, and, like, uh, very inclusive of all languages and whatnot. So, yeah, anyway, I had this conversation with him, and we talked to him, and he said, all right, well, this is great. He said, well, well, we'll get to work on it. And then, you know, he's like, you know, to, uh, just make sure to clue in all the writers on this. And, and most of the writers that we worked with, they kind of knew what the deal was. We broke him out already because they'd done their homework.
1: So, as I said, a complete juxtaposition to how the broken character came about, where there's all this meticulous work that was put in over time on it. Here it is. Matt, you're showing up to work today, and you have a uh, broken character for Dummies book ready to go, and you have to explain it to Vince McMahon. He seems on board with it. I have to imagine there's a lot of emotions going on and your adrenaline is probably pumping because this huge thing that changed your career is about to go down on the biggest stage of them all. How are you feeling going into that segment?
2: Uh, it was, it was exciting, you know, and, and it was one of those things. I, one of the things I say all the time and my wife probably gets mad when I say it, I always go unrealistic, unrealistic expectations will always result in disappointment. So I knew going into this, like I wasn't going to have unrealistic expectations. I mean, my goal at WWE was to come and do a version of Broken Matt Hardy and try and make it as successful as possible and have a compound fight at the Hardy compound. So I, I, I mean, I ended up succeeding in what I did. Do I wish it had been better and and and, and different? Yeah, of course. But, you know, I, I did accomplish what I had because I, I felt like I had realist, uh, realistic expectations.
1: When this is happening, are you concerned about what might happen with the WWE machine getting hold of all this?
2: I mean, yeah, but it's not even concerned Uh I, I just know that WWE, they're probably going to WWE it, you know, when it comes to, like, the Broken Matt Hardy deal. But I will do everything that I can to, like, course correct and, and try and get my shit in and try and make it as good as possible. And that's one of the things in wrestling, like, you know, when it comes to, like, Creative content, it's not necessarily if you get the best shit or you get the worst shit. It's just like, what do you make of whatever you end up getting? That's very important. You know. Like, you can't just say like, oh, well, this is bad. And I remember one of of the most wise things Michael said to me, he said, when someone pitches you an idea and you hate it and you don't like it, you can't just say like, that's stupid. I don't want to do it. Offer up a different solution. Offer up something else you can do. And that was one of the things I I, I truly learned with Michael. And it was such a wise move
1: were you okay with not using the broken moniker since this legal dispute was still going on? You just said you came up with the Woken idea yourself. Was there any, uh, because I would say, well, man, broken is what I made my money on. if people see Woken, they might think that's the dollar store knockoff of it.
2: Uh, No, not really. I mean, I just looked at it as a challenge and I tried to make it, I tried to make it different. And, um, I guess you could, you could overthink it like that. But I think too, in, in, in wrestling, you have to like try not to overthink things too many. I mean, you're going to get an opportunity, especially if you're going to get a legit opportunity go out and like make the most of it. And also to this, the, that's the optimist in me. I am like the ultimate optimist, you know, like I, whenever I see a cup that has uh, water in it, it's half full. It's never half empty. To
1: me. Sure. Uh, Bray Wyatt's in a really interesting transitional period at this time. Just a few months prior, he was WWE champion. He was in a main event match at WrestleMania. Now he's kind of slid down the card a little bit here. And that's not to say that working with you is sliding down the card, but he's clearly not being positioned in the top tier main event matches week in and week out. What do you remember about where Bray was during this period of time? And was there any chatter or discussions about what doing a program with you might do for him?
2: Oh, uh, I, I I just remember that, like, we were excited to do it. Bray and I were. Like, we, we thought it'd be really cool, especially if it was something we teased, like, from different promotions back in the day. Because I remember there was a time where I had said something about Broken Brilliance after Vince had them do that deal after the final deletion. And then he responded back in some way. And, like, of course, you know, the internet went apeshit over that. So so we were excited to actually be doing this. And Bray, when, when has always had a very strange relationship with Vince. Very strange. Like, I I almost felt like Vince looked at him like a, a son in some ways. Like, when he would do things that he liked, he would love him, and he would do, really give him everything that he could possibly give him. He would, like, bend over backwards to try and accommodate him. But then, like, when he did something he didn't like, he became, like, hated. Like, he was going to lock him away for good. And it was almost like, a really weird, a, a really, a, a really strange and different duality that Vince shared with Bray. Like when he, when he liked him or loved him, he was all about him. But when he disliked him, oh my God, it was like really bad. And he would like just punish him and insult him. It was so strange. And it was almost like a a, a parent. It would almost, be, it would almost be like how, I feel like Rebby disciplines the kids. You know, she's, if she if the kids are doing good, she goes above and beyond to like give them the best stuff and reward them. But then if they start doing bad stuff and their conduct's bad, it's like, holy shit, she lays into them. She goes straight baricwa, you know, Puerto Rican with the chunkla on them. You know, so it's it's like that. That that's why it makes me it makes me think of like a parent whenever I, I think about their relationship.
1: If during the course of this conversation I ping up a story that you have a recollection of Vince being particularly hard on Bray please by all means cut in and let me know because I definitely want to hear that uh, because that sounds like a very interesting dynamic. So uh, December 4th, Matt, it's the week after. It is time for the debut of Woken Matt. Bray is cutting a promo. He's saying he knows who Matt Hardy really is, but Matt doesn't know who he is. Just as he's about to say more, we hear the famous Broken Matt laugh for the first time on WWE TV. You say you've wandered through space and time and you're not lost. As he calls you a fool and says you're a charade, you explain that you're well-versed in the multiverse. You give examples of where your essence has been over the years, and due to your condition, you've laid dormant inside Matthew Hardy's vessel, but thankfully, due to the consumer of terrestrial entities, thank you, Thesaurus, you have been woken. You sentence him to deletion, which is actually our opening podcast clip, and the crowd's going nuts. There is a big laugh-off between the two of you guys, and that's that. And it's a, it's a really unique promo setup, the way they go back and forth. I think it's a good juxtaposition for you guys. How did you settle on coming up with this introductory promo and the style for it?
2: Uh, it, it, was, it was Vince's idea. It was 100% Vince's idea. We, we both had a, a little input on what we were saying. Um, but you're going to know this already. We don't have to let this play out. The laugh at the end, Vince was adamant that we do the laugh laughter at the end. And and one thing that I remember really well is this was in Los Angeles. And I remember like it was, it was a big market and it was like, LA's like, I don't know, maybe LA's gonna be too cool for this. Like I was kind of concerned about the reaction not being in front of the live crowd being on the screen, but like they went, they were super loud for it. Whenever it aired on the screen, I was super hype about that. That was so so cool that they were. But once again, it was one of those things like Vince, kind of made this his baby in the beginning. And I feel like he was going to like micromanage it a little bit because he, he had said that right from the beginning. He said, I think with these two characters together, he said, I think that you can work against each other. And then eventually I think you can be a a team together. And I think they they can be something really special here. You guys can do something really great. He said, but you have to do it the right way for to work. You have to do it the right way. You know, he's very stressful in that. And we were so concerned, like, uh, he, he was going to. Vince was going to be in the habit of like being redundant about things, especially the laughter, because like little things like laughs and catchphrases, or you know a, a little exclamation point, whatever. Like Vince, if he gets something that he likes and it, it personally entertains him, he will he will do it over and over and over again, you know, to really establish it. And 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 these are two characters that that don't do that, and and they don't need that. They don't need it. It's like they they do different things. They come up with different creative. Uh, slogans and sayings every single time. And, and Woken and Matt says words funny or different. That's how he entertains people. So the the laughter, I know you're going to ask me about that and everybody else does. Like, oh, my God, you guys would laugh back and forth. That was a Vince thing. Like, Bray and I, we, we would do promos on house shows sometimes where we would bury that laughter just, you know, to pop one another. But, yeah, that, that was definitely a Vince thing.
1: Yeah, I had no doubt about that. I yeah. knew that was a Vince McMahon thing. The first time out it works because it's funny and it's something different and it's totally cool. But then you lean into it consistently, consistently, and it's like, okay, I get it. I understand it. They're funny because they laugh. It's hilarious. And Mm -hmm. this I see, and that's why I knew this episode was gonna be great because I knew you were gonna give us such great Vince insight because this whole program and character has Vince McMahon all. Over it. And I think back to an episode of something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, where and it's a very early episode. I can't remember which one it is, but he mentions that when a talent would go in to pitch something to Vince, if you say one word or one idea that Vince latches onto, that's it. Like that's what's in Vince's head. So the planetarium thing that you mentioned, he got that idea in his head and he's fixated on it. Yeah. So, so when I look at this whole metamorphosis of the character here, we know the saying from Vince, right? We're making movies, pal. We've heard that. We've all heard <laughs> that. We're making movies. I feel like these characters kind of, in his mind at least, fulfill that part of him. Am I wrong in that track of thinking?
2: No, 100%. And, and if we, if we would have made more movies, uh, those characters, they, they would have succeeded more. They would have been over more as well.
1: So the next week, it's a, a pretty much the exact same promo. And you talk about the Great War being introduced. You talk about the Wyatt swarm. Well, they're going to be battled by the Woken Warriors, uh, a terminology that you came up with. I presume you coined that, setting on the broken stuff. Okay. Um, Again, a big laugh at the end. And it just feels like immediately, right from the get go, Matt, two weeks in, this has become WWE fight a little bit. Are you worried at that point? Uh,
2: I I mean, you always want to try and. Put your best foot forward and and put on your most entertaining and also, uh, I feel like mature, complex uh, entertainment style. If you're doing a character like that, and if you're me, you know, but like in WWE, you just don't always get that. So it's like I don't know. If it's I don't know if it's like worried. I don't even know if that is the the word I would use to describe that. I would just say that you know I'm just gonna fight. To still stay in the game and still be as different as I can and like try and, you know, be able to get a word in, you know, with Vince and like try and keep this going in a, you know, in in a new direction, in a trailblazing direction and and doing different things.
1: When I think about Bray Wyatt and Woken Matt, Broken Matt, whatever, it it seems like a natural fit for a feud, right? But as I'm breaking this down, I'm not entirely sure that the why was there. And as we look back in the archives becoming broken series, the broken stuff really worked because there was so much effort put into the small micro aspects of the yeah. story. And it worked with Jeff because there was so much story there already. This feels like it's a little more rushed and we're just getting these exotic vignettes out there to hit the character points and introducing the audience very quickly to who they are. Is that an accurate assessment?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think so. I, I definitely... I would have loved to have put more meat on the bone. Even there were so many different ideas. We told them storytelling wise, like, you know, we, we wanted to do things where after I became woken from touching Abigail and tell that story. And then we want to do things where, you know, he came to my house to the Hardy compound <clears throat> and there was vignettes, you know, where he did damage there, you know, maybe he, you know, had some sort of interaction with, you know, Someone in House Hardy, whatever it may be. You know, I mean, we had stuff like that we wanted to do to really make it more of a personal issue as opposed to just like, yeah. you know, going back and forth and, and put some substance behind it, you know. But those things, you know, we, we just couldn't sell any of those events.
1: More on that in a little bit because that was a really interesting
2: point you just brought up about the Hardy compound.
1: Uh, the next week, December 18th, you're playing chess with a goldfish that you refer to as Napoleon. And you say that he has, he's always had a complex for having such a small vessel. And you talk about oh that. Uh, light versus dark theme there i really like this this was actually one of my favorite woken matt segments it felt a little more authentically matt hardy yeah. anything you'd like to share about that one
2: yeah yeah it is uh so i, I got that sound there's a guy uh, nick who is a writer and i'm pretty sure he's still a WWE. i think i saw a picture of him just recently like backstage uh, but nick was the guy who was like in charge he was with myself he was the 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 writer so to say, for myself and Bray. He would say, like, this is what they're saying. Like, let's get together. Like, what do you guys want to say? And I'll kind of, you know, give you the direction. I heard in the production meeting, whatever. And Nick was great. And he he was very up to speed on all the Broken Universe stuff from, you know, Impact. So uh, it was very fun working with him. And and I got the clearance to, like, speak to an animal, you know, with an essence in this thing. And I remember, like, I knew we were going to do this a couple of days out. I said, man, can you guys, like, it'd be so cool if there's something there, if you guys can be, like, a cool animal. Like, I, I don't know what could come to the venue. Like if you can get some kind of like exotic big animal that can kind of hang out in the room, like, I don't know, could you get like a goat or, you know, I'd, I, you know, I did kangaroos and all these different things. It'd be cool. Like if it was like a goat or like something funny, which is a big animal. <laughs> I showed up in the building, and they got me a fish, a goldfish. <laughs> I was hoping for something exotic, a zebra. Can you rent me a zebra? Let let Woken Matt talk to a zebra just for a couple minutes. They got me a goldfish. <laughs> but
1: you, you made something out of it and it worked.
2: yeah I, I made something out of it I made the most out of it and and I, and I do I do appreciate how they tried to like they they it's funny next time you talk to Rebby ask about the wrinkly white curtain in the back of my vignettes. That shit drove her wild. She said would they get this fucking wrinkly white curtain out of the back of your vignettes? holy what the at least iron it Jesus Christ you know that's how she is anyway. Because it was just like that was the light. They wanted a heavenly background. And that, that's probably a Vince thing, too. You know, like a heavenly background. So there was light. And we actually did a couple of vignettes where there was light in my background and there was like darkness in Bray's background. And and I do like the whole concept, you know, the duality between the light and the darkness. And you're on the light and he's the darkness. You know, but like that's one thing the, the curtain they would do. I know we definitely had it in that shot, but I, I enjoy that. I love doing character work like that especially like method acting with animals or whatever and just getting really involved into it and like committed to the gig uh so so i did enjoy that but i, I was hoping for something else i was hoping for like a llama or a zebra but they got they got me a goldfish so uh we we, we did that and uh, i made the most out of it
1: yeah and <laughs> what's really important here is that this iteration of the bray wyatt character tended to be a little bit of a rambler in my opinion I loved, loved the original like shrimp boat, Louisiana backwoods Bray Wyatt that he came up with. I thought that was like a revolutionary character in professional wrestling. And when he started to get into this more exotic, over-the-top cult leader, I felt like some of his promos were very long-winded and they were hard to kind of track along. So... I like that you're stressing the light versus the dark. That's a very easy story to follow. That that anyone can follow along with that. But I feel like the crowds are a little subdued here as we start to get a little crazier with some of these. And thankfully, the next week you're in Chicago. There are a crowd that they they get Matt Hardy, and Bray is making his entrance. You cut him off, bunch of fire. You beat the shit. That was out on him. Christmas.
2: That was yes. on Christmas.
1: It was on Christmas. Correct. Uh, you beat the <laughs> shit out of him. And the crowd was genuinely very hot about it and good segment. But then you grab the mic and you just laugh. And I'm saying, damn it. Like, that's a great chance for Woken Matt to lay something in there. And then all the air is kind of sucked out of the building when you just laugh. And it's noticeable when you watch it back. How were you feeling about the crowd reaction to what was going on here?
2: I mean, that, that was obviously frustrating, you know, and I, I, we actually, there were times where we told Vince, we needed to chill on laughter. That we both felt that way. So, uh, by the way, I'm going to tell you, uh, I, I got a text, uh, from Vince yesterday and he said, he loved the, the BTE segment with the bucks. He said, he just wish I would have had a long laugh at the very end of it. And, and then he'd really, he'd really thought it was good. Uh, in all seriousness though. <laughs> yeah, it, it was just, you know, it was one of those things that he was just News was, sites
1: that, that did not happen. That did not happen.
2: <laughs> Can't just make yeah. it clear. News site right. did not happen. Ladies and gentlemen, that, that did not happen. That is Matt Fiction. That <laughs> is mad <Matt> Fiction. <laughs> that, that Fiction.
1: You know, that was going to be all over the headlines if we didn't preface that. But anyway, <laughs> he texted, find out which AEW star Vince McMahon texted uh, about BTE because of Something, <laughs>
2: something he, he loved, he loved BTE segment Sans one part. <laughs>
1: It's late at night. We're having fun here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Um, So the next week, more crazy stuff. The next week, you're cutting a promo, and you're in a box. And it turns into a dozen boxes, into hundreds of boxes. And Bray is really selling that you're, like, kind of freaking him out. And so I, it's-
2: I like that. I did it like that. That was, that was actually... That may have been Kevin Dunn's idea, but that was a Vincent Kevin Dunn thing. And I was cool with that, though. I, d- I did, like, the different boxes that broke down, the like, uh, head games.
1: Well, and it just becomes a story now of who is weirder, right. almost. Right, right. <laughs>
2: right, right.
1: I don't know if I love that, but it's very WWE. Yes. So... Take that for what it is. You have your in-ring debut after that against Kurt Hawkins uh, with the debut of your new theme. I, I like the Woken theme quite a bit. What did you think of it?
2: I, I did too. Uh, Triple H, that was a Triple H thing. He helped uh, create that, and we talked with the music people, and he sent me different cuts. Uh, we had three or four different different shots and different cuts, and that that's what we uh, settled on at the very end of it. But that was a big Triple H thing, and he was really – really uh, dedicated to, to try and give me a good theme. I really did. And we went over the entrance and enjoyed it and the way we were going to shoot it. and uh, it, it was fun. I, uh, I I dug it. I, I, liked, I liked the walking Anthem. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen.
0: Who's going to take care of your family if something happens to you? What would they do without your income? If you don't have a plan, you need to go to goliathlife.com. Get a quick quote for more than 20 carriers. You don't even have to leave the house. If you need a medical exam, they'll send somebody to your house or office. You're in total control. You pick the rates, you pick the payments, you pick the terms. You're in total control, but it gives you and your family peace of mind. What if something happens to your income, hurry to goliathlife.com.
1: At raw 25 at the Manhattan center. Awesome visual episode. Overall, a pretty terrible episode of Raw. Uh, you guys have your first match, and he defeats you clean in just a few minutes. Uh, it was super underwhelming. Do you have any memories from that, Mike?
2: Yes, we both hated it. Why is that? We, we both hated it. Uh, just because it was like our first match, and this should have been something of substance, and we should have had time. And then uh, it was a short match, and we were very limited in what we did. And, the, I mean, they, you know, it just, they, they put us in a scenario like, to fail kind of right from the jump because we had this, you know, short match. And once again, we tried to make the most out of it, but you know, once again, it's, it's WWE when you're there, there's going to be times where you are put in situations that you just have to make the most out of. And and this was one, like, we wanted to have like our first match be like a a really good impactful match. Like it seems like it means something. And and I also even looking back and talking about this stuff, I feel like one of the things Vince missed is like, these characters didn't have to always be funny and laugh. Like we we could have hit very serious notes. Like I would have loved to see break him to the Hardy compound and, you know, break a window out and try and get in the house and scare King Maxwell or whatever, you know, do damage there, try and destroy the Hardy compound, whatever it may be, you know, because his place was destroyed by Randy Orton, whatever. But, um, you know, Vince just didn't really see that. Like we needed times where we, we change the temperament and we also changed like the, the 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 mood of what we're doing like we didn't have to always be like trying to weird who, who can be weirder or who can laugh the most or let's make this funny we could make it like a serious moment and, and make these characters serious for a moment i don't think you can do that constantly all the time right. these characters but you can and i think that's something important that's one of the things we really missed out on and then i think it just kind of showed like after we had been building like oh my god this amazing match is gonna happen this guy was in TNA Impact, and this was their Supernatural guy from WWE, and they're going to be meeting in the ring for the first time. ever. this should be an amazing match. And then it's like a three-minute match. Do you have the time there?
1: Uh, I can find the time as I look it up. But uh, as as I look it yeah. up, what was it like looking it uh, at the old Raw set? Was that cool at least?
2: I mean, yeah, it was great. It was cool being there. But, like, just the – you know, we, we were both very annoyed that we had this short time – and they also, because of some other finish that was going, they wanted a somewhat clean finish or whatever. And we just, we go out and we're paid to work there. So we go out and we do what they ask us to do ultimately.
1: Uh, you worked five minutes and 55 seconds.
2: Yeah. It, I remember though it was, it, that, that's even longer than I thought it was, but like I remember it was short and we were very disappointed that it wasn't more of a highlighted featured match.
1: I think there may have even been a commercial on it, too, which is just crazy for a a six-minute match. Uh, And it was was disappointing. And the next week, it is the Royal Rumble in Philadelphia. I was there for this. It's a great Royal Rumble match. I highly recommend anyone to go back and watch it. And uh, this was my observation then. It was my observation watching it back. You guys eliminate each other in this. And it looks mm-hmm. like you're kind of hobbling a little bit. You look like you're in pain there. And it, it might have just been my perception of it, but was your body hurting bad at this time?
2: No, it wasn't bad. I do remember that day, though. I had a, a whole bunch of media and I was up super early. I remember I didn't sleep well that night and I was tired. I was dragging the day. Okay. Uh, I, I do remember that. But as far as my body goes, I mean, my body's pretty beat up, you know, in general. Sure. So, uh, but no, I, I was okay. I wasn't like significantly okay. injured at all. And I I, I do remember whenever they said that they thought it would be best if we get in and we just eliminate each other pretty quickly. I was okay with it on the day because it was one of those days where I was dragging. Yeah.
1: Well, it was a a hot little moment in the match too. And when you're telling the story in the Royal Rumble match, you need those little stories within the overall story. Sure. I have no issues with that. And the only reason I was asking about your body was because we know what's going to happen at the end of this eventually. So I was just curious if – Uh, That was nagging you as we go along. But instead, we turn our attention towards the Elimination Chamber. You have a qualifying match against, of all people, Elias, and you lose after a video distraction from Bray. And guess what he does, Matt? Matt, You're kidding me. (laughs) Did you know what the long-term goal of this feud was by Elimination Chamber?
2: I I think so. I'm, I'm pretty positive that the the, the long term goal of this program was to eventually uh, have Bray and I get together as a team and be baby faces.
1: Okay. Uh, later that week, the legal battle with Anthem officially ends, and you legally acquire ownership of all your trademarks in the Broken Universe. Yes. Was there any consideration of maybe doing a pivot and bringing Broken into the fold, or were you hell bent on sticking with Woken?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I that that. You have to pick the, you know, you have to pick your battles there, and that, that's not a battle I was going to go. They'd already committed to Woken, you know, the deletion anthem and everything promotional, promotionally uh, that was revolving around me was, was Woken, Matt Hardy, and they'd branded it already, and that was theirs. They were going to own it, so so I was just going to keep uh, riding that out.
1: So you guys are having more matches on house shows. You're beating him pretty consistently as the baby face. You defeat him clean with a twist of fate at the Elimination Chamber pay per view. Again, that's a pay-per-view that he won the world title at just a year prior, taking the belt off John Cena nonetheless. And now he's losing house show matches. He's losing on pay-per-view. Bray Wyatt has fallen a little bit here, and he's stuck doing some comedy stuff that both of you don't really want to do. If there are any stories that come to mind about his interactions with Vince, let's hear them.
2: Yeah, uh, after we team, I'll have one. Okay. But, but I was just—I mean, it's one of those things too. Like, you know, Bray Bray never really was like a tippy-top guy, and if you're not a tippy-top guy, you know, you're going to have that cosine curve, you know, use often, more often than not, you know. So it's going to be like you're going to ride it for a while, then you're going to be down. Just, Why it's was also- Bray
1: not a tippy-top guy? Because he was a guy that fans flocked to, and all saw something very different in. He has a WrestleMania match with The Undertaker. He has the intention. He's a good wrestler for someone his size. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, the guy can talk people into the building.
2: Because ultimately, Vince, Vince didn't see him as such. I mean, that, that that's why. You know, if you're a guy like... You know, Undertaker, you're going to be treated differently when you're older, obviously. You know, someone like John Cena, obviously Roman Reigns is the tippy-top guy. But then then you're going to have other guys who, like, cycle in and out of those things, you know, whoever it may be. You know, Cesaro got close there at the end. You know, you had times where Braun Strowman was up and down. You know, I mean, it's just – that's that's one of the things. I, I just tell people, like, you know, don't get too discouraged when you end up riding the the cosine curve because it happens in, in pro wrestling especially if you're not stuck and, and branded as a tippy-top guy where you're at.
1: So the night after Elimination Chamber, he says he's not done with you. He says the Great War is far from over, and it seems pretty clear we're headed towards a cinematic match. And you invite him.
2: It was so hard to get Vince to go for, go for that. I mean, we, we, we really tried hard, and like Nick, big shout out to Nick, he really pushed hard for us too, and then eventually signed off on it after that. I mean, I feel like it was right after the Elimination Chamber match that we got the the green light, that we could have the ultimate deletion.
1: So you invite him to the Hardy Compound for the first time. This is the first mention of the Hardy Compound that we've got in this I, entire feud. And you invite him for the ultimate deletion. And my issue here, I kind of hit on it before, but whereas we discussed the Hardy Compound was a major character in the Broken Universe it is completely unmentioned on TV until this point. You're relying on the fans that paid attention to the impact stuff to know what is to come. Now, they react positively to seeing it, but from a storytelling standpoint, you're creatively asking them to make something that is non-canon in WWE become canon. And I'm not saying you specifically. I'm saying the powers that be are asking that. That just seems like a lot to ask of fans, especially the WWE fan that maybe is a little more casual and has never seen... The depth of the Hardy compound stuff in impact,
2: right? Uh, I, I know they were, they were uh, pretty overwhelmed and overjoyed about the reaction it got whenever it played in Gorilla. I went to Gorilla to watch that and sat there with Benson and Bryce. Oh my God, this really got a good reaction. Reppy shot all that. I don't know if you know that she shot all that and kind of clipped it together, and they sent it and they put together the final package. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's one of those things. It's just it's it's so crazy. It shows how in tune wrestling fans are, especially there in the live arena. Like the the Hardy Compound deal is just something they knew from seeing the viral videos of the Final Deletion and Apocalypto and, you know, Deleter Decay, uh, you know, probably online more than anywhere else. They have kind of heard of the, you know, the legend of it. And they there were people out there that actually knew that it, it actually existed in the broken universe lore, you know. But yeah, I, I would have loved to have had more time to build the Hardy compound and make it a character on WWE programming as well. But they just kind of threw it out there. And like you said, uh, they were just tickled that some people had an idea of what it was from, you know, past use.
1: Well, and then the, the next week, which is the week before the ultimate deletion, we get this lengthy vignette and all of a sudden we're being introduced to the different characters on the Hardy compound. We're seeing Rebbe, we're seeing Maxwell, we're seeing yeah. Benjamin, we're seeing scars And I'm really glad that you guys did this. But it feels like the why, which is the most critical part of the broken universe, is just missing here. It's like, oh, by the way, you're going to see these characters next week. These, we're not telling you why you're going to see these characters next week, but you're going to see them. And that's True. a huge disconnect in storytelling. And I don't know, maybe that's the inner journalist to me, but like something is not the hand is not feeding properly, if that makes any sense.
2: No, I mean, yeah, I, I, t- I totally get where you're coming from, and I, I'm sure there were a lot of people that thought that. And and at this point, we just wanted to get the ultimate deletion business done, so Bray and I could team up and start doing kick ass vignettes.
1: You're over feuding here.
2: Yeah, I mean, we we were just I we were re- we were ready to get there, and, and I even feel like even you know the, we had that first match. I feel like which was very underwhelming. And then we had the elimination chamber match. It's just like we're not two characters that should be having regular matches regularly. You know, I, I feel like you put us at the Hardy compound. That that's that's our MO. That's that's where our money is. You know, let us be entertaining characters that do weird shit, you know, at remote locations. You know, that that's that's where that's where we succeed. And then let us pop into the ring for a big match and have a regular match. And it like feels a lot more special then. You know, don't just oversaturate wrestling matches with these, you know, larger than life Broken Universe type characters.
1: Yeah. Well, that brings us to the Ultimate Deletion, and we're going to cover the match itself in long form next year. But this is WWE's attempt at a Broken Universe cinematic match. Jeff cameos at the end briefly as Brother Nero. Yeah. It ends with you throwing Bray in the Lake of Reincarnation. Now, you've teased at length, even hinted earlier in this episode, that this was far different than any other cinematic match you've done as far as the production process went. Why was that the case? And what did you and Bray ultimately think of the match?
2: I, I ended up being happy with the match at the end. Um, there, there were three full-fledged camera crews out there, you know, with all with audio, all with lights, all with cameras. I mean, so they went not be, it was almost like overkill, you know, and it was just like, we still wanted to kind of be a little, a little gritty, you know, a little, a little darker. You know, we didn't want it to be overly produced or overly slick like a WWE product. You know, so the the, the one thing which I want to share this, we're not going to go in a long, you know, a long talk about it right now, obviously. But like as we're doing the match, we have like this great match planned out, and there, there's a scene I'd actually watched it back today, just to kind of jog my memory, as I like to do before I talk about these things, where we are in uh, the dilapidated city. And uh, we did a thing where the life city, by the way, is, is owner, is owner property, is on the Hardy compound. And it is where my great grandparents actually came to initially. And then my grandparents uh, had lived there uh, when after they had passed away. My grandparents lived there. And that is where my dad was born and raised in this house. The, the old house you, you see Bray against in. ultimate deletion called the dilapidated city and and that is where my dad was like born and raised at, and it's still on the property there's like a barn and a couple other little old buildings there and it's just stayed there which it is like a you know it's a house that is probably a hundred years old over over a hundred years old now so so, uh we're doing that and then we're going to do a thing where uh we're going to fight back to the ring where jeff jumped out of the tree and i had built this special stand uh a couple days prior and we were going to go into a big spot where I stacked up two tables and put Bray on the table underneath uh, or the table up top. If we could have worked it out, we were negotiating. We we're going to figure out what they would let us get away with. But I was going to come out of that tree and miss a big leg drop and go through two tables. And that's what was going to be like the real start of like the heat on me. And then he was going to beat me down then eventually to the dome of the leash. And we ended up going to the finish. And we still had some funny comedy moments in it as well. But, you know, Vince, uh, we're doing the whole thing and we're just booking along. We're trucking. And like at two o'clock, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Michael Hayes and Ed, the writers, there. And they go, hey, hey, we gotta help, we gotta talk, we gotta talk. We just got a call from Vince. You know, we'd like to text him, whatever. But we just got a call from Vince, and he said he doesn't want any any wrestling bullshit. He said this bat shouldn't have wrestling. It should be like, you know, it should be super Shakespeare, and it should be funny and campy and, and kind of, you know, that's what we want. And uh, I said, well, let's get back to the spot where we do the thing and we fight and the tables are set up. And I do like, you no. He said, we did the wrestling in the beginning. I said, that's enough. Vince said he doesn't want wrestling. This is supposed to this is supposed to look like a classic wrestling match at all. I said, well, it's not. It's like, this is going to be a big spot where the babyface messes up and it puts me in jeopardy and everything else. Plus, it's going to look super cool. And it's a good callback to the final deletion where Jeff jumped out of the tree. Now I'm going to do it with the leg drop. He said, no. We, we They shut that down. And we ended up doing a thing In substitute of that, where we went to the land of obsolete men, which is Jeff's shoot uh pet cemetery.
1: Where Jose is buried.
2: Yeah, where where Jose hopefully will be buried soon. (laughs) And um we're there and we do the thing where I'm hiding and brace running, and they speed it up like a Benny Hill thing. Yep.
1: That's that's kind of how
2: it was described. Yeah. And and that was you know what Michael said he wanted to do, and he was very adamant. He said, No, we're gonna do whatever the boss says. The boss says. He doesn't want this. He doesn't want any more wrestling in the ring. You guys did some in the beginning. He wants uh, a bunch of campy, you know, borderline hokey fun stuff in this. So that, that is uh, that is one story I wanted to tell. That, that was the big spot in there. They got Ixnade that we really wanted to do.
1: And you said 2. You mean 2 a.m.?
2: Yes, 2 a.m. Yeah, okay. it was 2 a.m. in the morning. So we were we were already well on our way of shooting it, as obviously we waited until the night, you know. To, to shoot it so everything kept continuity. So, yeah, it was like uh, they, they had texted him like, hey, we're, this is what we're doing. Is everything good? Is everything good? And it's like, dude, huge respect for Vince. I mean, he he commands respect, you know, but these guys, when whenever you work directly underneath Vince, and you got to know this if you're there, if you're a producer or an agent or whatever you are, like whatever Vince says, you know, you can say like, hey, what if we do it this way? What if we do it this way? But whatever, whenever Vince lays it down and lays down the law, and that's what he wants to do, by God, that's what you better do. You know, and that's what it was. They got that call at 2 a.m., <laughs> you know, finally when he got around to, to contacting them as we're shooting this. And also, it was in March. It was cold as hell, too, man. It was like 35 degrees out there. It was so cold. When we start that wrestling match, we're both wearing our jackets, and and it wasn't by accident. It was intentional. We were going to keep them on as long as we possibly could.
1: Uh, it, ultimately, the segment, it, it airs at the end of the show. It does more than $3 million for the third hour, which was not something that Raw was doing a whole lot of at the time. So there was definitely interest in it what do you remember the reaction to it being anything that Vince said about it or any other reaction from other people in the company?
2: Uh, I I do remember they were very pleasantly surprised that it it did do that good of a number. I do remember whenever we were there watching it at the venue, they were having the live show, right? And then uh, whenever the match before us ended, they just put some other segment in there for the live crowd. They didn't play it on the time, Tron. but I, I do remember earlier in that day they played, the in in the production meeting, they played the ultimate deletion for all the writers and coach and 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 uh, producers and coaches and whatnot. Uh, but there was like a standing ovation at the end of it, and I remember Vince was just like, I, I, "I hope that means it's good." I I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. And uh, and then uh, as as he said that, I remember somebody told me. He said he says, "I'll be honest. I, this I can't even remember who told me this." But someone said in the production, he says, I'll tell you this. He said, if this ends up doing a good number, he says, uh, I feel like I'm off the, you know, I, I'm not on the pulse anymore. If this, if this ends up doing a really good number, like I, I need to change the way I do business because I'm not on the pulse anymore. And, and it was also very frustrating. The line that was fed to Michael Cole, right from the jump, like, uh, you know, kind of downplaying it already, you know, so that, 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 was, that was very frustrating and disappointing as well.
1: Yeah. Michael Cole warned viewers that what they were about to see was disturbing. Yeah. and, and, see but you just said it there that's where i I lost my mind because you said i don't get it vince is saying he doesn't get it he didn't understand the ultimate deletion and that right there matt that is the underlying problem with all this he didn't understand it sure so when i hear all these stories and the layering of the characters that you want to do and then what we see He didn't understand it, but you're making the most out of it that you can. And that's what you did.
2: And that's it. And and one thing I'll say right here, clip it and show it to me. I will always be grateful. And I appreciate Vince McMahon allowing us to, to have that opportunity to, to do that because that was like, you know, that that was, uh, you know, that was definitely, that was on my bucket list to go back to WWE and take my creation that I've made at TNA and impact, you know, these deletion fights at my house at the Hardy compound to get, to get to do one and have it be on, you know, their, their uh, massive television or their global television. And he, he allowed it to happen. So I do, I do greatly appreciate him allowing that opportunity.
1: But it's yeah. so ironic because this is a man who we're making movies, pal. You make no, a movie, you make a literal movie. Yeah. And well, this, sure.
2: All, right, all right, I'm about to go on a rant here too, because this is one thing, like when we talk about this, you know, like, they've had things like what was the thing called with Randy and Bray? The,
1: the house of horrors, match, the house
2: of horrors match. Right. So that was done and they took an extremely serious approach. Correct. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like we're making a movie like wrestling in general. I don't give a fuck what these guys like Cornette. That's his shtick. Oh my God. Wrestling. So serious. And I can't believe they do this hokey bullshit, whatever. Fuck. He's just so antiquated. I'm sure when he came along wearing these outrageous neon colors in his suits, People thought he was the fucking end of the business as well. All the old timers. You know, it's just like at the end of the 1990s, the business was the Internet, the age of technology, the age of information is here. And the business was opened up. The curtains were pulled back and people know. And the further down the line we get in time, people know more and 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 more. And you have to incorporate that into it. Actually, the new Cape Fabe kind of comes in. Uh, to existence by working the people that think they know what they're watching. Even, you know, even, even if they think they understand it, they, they don't, you really don't understand unless you're there and you've done it. And, you know, you, you never know the actual details and what's the inner workings are behind the scenes and, and things. But like, I feel like with Vince, he wants to make movies, but like wrestling is so absurd in general. Pro wrestling is so fun. It's a, it's a, It's a a master class of like stuntmen uh, being uh, doing acts uh, that are super athletic and acrobatic live on camera, which have a sporting event feel to it. You know, but when you take a guy and you sling him by the arm into the ropes and he hits the ropes and bounces back like it's beyond his control. I mean, that's in the big scheme of things. That's that's it's a little silly. You know, because it's 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 accepted because it has been done so long. But I feel like professional wrestling is just so entertainment driven. Anyway, sure, if you have a great wrestling match and somebody gets sucked in to what you're doing, uh, you know, and, and, and they're able to enjoy it as a sporting event, that is great. And I love that. And I, I will never hate that. But I feel like if you do something like the House of Horrors match and you try and pass it off as some serious, spooky, scary uh, movie with these characters that are already kind of silly because they fight in their underwear or, or whatever. You know, they're pro wrestlers. These things need to be lighthearted. That was my whole mentality whenever I was doing the Broken Matt Brother Nero stuff. You know, like, I wanted these cinematic matches to have fun moments in them. I think you could have serious moments, but, like, if you take yourself too serious with those things, I, I, I just think people are going to go, come on, this is pro wrestling. This is like an escape. I want to have fun. And, and I feel like he just didn't get that. We, we could have provided a spectrum of entertainment. We could have had really fun stuff that was entertaining and you could laugh at, and then we could also do serious moments and heartfelt moments and, and, you know, pull on emotion strings, you know, but pulling people's heartstrings, whatnot. But it's one of those things. Vince just like, well, this is just kind of like goofy, campy stuff. Right. But like people seem to like it. I don't get it. I don't get it. And I just don't think he understood how the perception of wrestling fans in 2022 understand what they're watching is a scripted, choreographed contest, whatever. Sometimes guys call it in the ring and it's not. But, I mean, they they know the concept behind it. I mean, if you're going to have some sort of segment that is outrageous, I mean, I think you can have serious moments in it, but you can't let let that segment take itself too serious. And I, I don't think Vince gets that. So that is my biggest thing where I, he, where I think he does it where I just don't understand it. I don't understand. It. I mean, we're doing it for the entertainment aspect of it. This is all about being entertaining. And we're not trying to force someone to like something that is trying to be overly serious. We're not trying to be something we're not.
1: I love hearing how passionate you are about this because you have such a thorough understanding of what you are trying to accomplish here. And I'm sure that Wyndham Bray was probably in a similar boat to you as you are we doing this. So uh, he goes into the Lake of reincarnation. It's clear that we're going to get a change in the Bray Wyatt character in some capacity here. Uh, so a few weeks go by, you're training for the Andre, the giant Memorial battle Royal. Interesting opportunity for you, but uh, you're in it. It's WrestleMania 34. It's the match right before the main card. So the crowd's pretty packed into Mercedes Benz Superdome or the Caesar Superdome, whatever it's called now, not the Silverdome brother. <laughs> and, uh, It's you, Baron Corbin, and Mojo Raleigh, the final three. They're the two previous winners. And out of nowhere, Bray Wyatt appears. And as you're about to get double teamed, he helps you fight them off. And he helps you eliminate the two of them. And Matt Hardy has won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Pretty cool moment, man. I know it's the pre-show and everything, but back-to-back years, you get two pretty cool WrestleMania moments.
2: Yeah, Yeah, No, I, I, I love that moment. I really enjoyed it.
1: And the crowd was ready for it. They yeah. were ready for Bray Wyatt to turn babyface. This is his first babyface run to this point in WWE. Yeah. And they're ready for it. What did you and think of moment in the execution of it?
2: I, I liked it. I, I mean, it was one of those things, like, we made the most out of what we were given to work with. And and the fans really reacted to the embrace we had, which uh, which made me very happy.
1: Yeah. So now you're off to the races as the deleters of, world, of Worlds the next night. Uh, you have a fun backstage vignette with Jeff, who's returned. Seth Rollins is there, Finn Balor's there. Yeah. there. A whole bunch of ballyhoo between the three of you guys, and there's a little deadpan to Seth and Finn Balor. It's a funny little segment.
2: It was that was fun? That was a fun little piece.
1: But Jeff has not brought back his brother Nero here, and it feels like there could have been legs to include him with you guys. What do you think of that decision?
2: Oh man, are you kidding me? I mean, Vince wants Jeff Hardy. <laughs> you know, Jeff, Jeff Jeff understands the popularity of Jeff Hardy. He's not gonna he's not gonna mess with him. You know, unless we'd done a Jeff Hardy run and he felt like he, he kind of needs a reinvention to kind of, like, reset and restart again. You know, I, I could see him doing a Brother Nero thing. But, like, especially when he's coming back off entry, he wants Jeff Hardy because Jeff Hardy's just, you know, one of the, the all-time populars, man.
1: So the Deleters of Worlds, where'd, uh, where'd that come from?
2: Uh, that, that was my name. Uh, I, I came up with it, and I think Bray signed off on it and liked it. Uh, once again, just trying to – he was the eater of worlds, you know, so just throwing a delete on there, deleter of worlds. And one thing I, I do want to say about this is we wanted, and this is something else that we pitched. We wrote these ideas and, and Nick, the writer that really worked with and I regularly, he tried to make this happen too. I mean, we had ideas where we didn't want to have, we knew we were going to do something now and, and with the titles. I, I'm pretty sure we knew this pretty early on, the thing that ended up happening in Saudi Arabia. But, like, Bray and I, we want to do vignettes where you see us, you know, he helps me out, you know, he's been cleansed of Sister Abigail. We wanted to still tell that story and and and, and, and try and put more detail in all this. But we literally pitched this idea, and, and Nick loved it. He was hoping we could do it. We wanted to shoot, like, vignettes, a few weeks of vignettes at the Hardy Compound, where Bray shows up at my house. He has a stick, like, with a bandana – tied to it like a hobo with just a couple of things, you know, obviously his house was burned down by Randy Orton. his Wyatt family is no more. And then he shows up at the Hardy compound and he had an idea too. He, he knew someone who was like, uh, did this crazy act, and it was like, a, he was a monkey boy is what he did. This man who did this, like in circuses or whatnot, he wanted to come out and have the stick and the little, Bandana tattoo like a hobo and have the monkey boy with him. And then he said, This is all I have. You know, like, thank you for letting me come to live here at the Hardy Compound, you know, Woken Matt. We'll, we'll come right in, you know, but you're going to have to earn your keep here. You know, there's a system, you know, you, you're going to have to earn your keep. And then we were going to do even little funny vignettes where, like, you know, he's sitting out there and he's playing with monkey boy and King Grass goes, on, What are you doing? You're supposed to mow the grass. Get on the moor, lawn, you know, whatever. And he was going to, like, and then Rebby has him do something, whatever, and, like, you know, these are going to be fun, and then he's, like, becoming, like, part of, like, the whole family, and you see, like, Bray Wyatt and Will come like, these great, loving guys, and you see these weird things, but then, you know, we were even saying, like, we could have things, like, these guys come to the Hardy compound, and they try and attack us or do whatever, and we'd have these vignettes, but we never, none of that ever got greenlit, you know, obviously. I mean, we wanted to do it as, like, character-building things, and I felt like, well, I'm not going to jump the gun as far as winning the tag titles because I know we got to get there. But just right from the jump, we had all these ideas where we wanted to really uh, help the synergy and chemistry between our two characters together as a tag team by doing these, uh, these, these cool vignettes, you know, which would be super entertaining, but we, we, we never got them greenlit.
1: And what's the old adage in pro wrestling? It's all about the chase, right? So if you give people something to invest in, and characters to invest in, they're going to want to see them win those tag titles together. They're going to want to see that stuff. So we don't really yes. get that, but you win a couple matches and you get the bar in Saudi Arabia. I'm pretty sure this is the first Saudi Arabia show WWE runs. Uh, I'm sure that is an experience in and of itself. Yeah. And the championship win goes down in front of a bunch of fans in Saudi Arabia. And it's a, strange reaction because they're all kind of casual fans and very wyatt and matt hardy just won the tag team championship with not a whole lot of build so go ahead and share the story that you were gonna tell us
2: uh well you know we, we did do that in, in saudi arabia was a really interesting experience you know it, it it really was um the people over there they were very nice but you know once again it's just it, it really is it's a obviously a different country, a different part of the world. And, and all the Saudi Arabia fans that I dealt with were really kind and nice, but it just feels very different over there. It's, it's very different from being in America for sure. Um, but we had that match. Uh, and we were pretty happy with what we did with James and Cesaro. And then once we were the tag team champions, once again, we like came with another barrage of ideas for the writers and Vince. And I was like, you know, I, I don't think we need to be on TV. Like, having matches every single we really need to do these vignettes this is what is going to help us grow and this is what is going to sell merch this is what is going to get us over and, and really get us to that next level that vince constantly talked about whatever but every week we'd come to tv and it would be like a three or four minute match against someone where it was like never really a, a enough time to like help somebody else it just kind of like we were just getting like a quick win and we kind of like had to beat the shit out of the other team because it was such a small window of time. And I thought that was pretty counterproductive to what we were trying to do, especially with, you know, having these larger than like characters and trying to like build onto their character traits more.
1: So that's exactly what happens. You have a very strange reign with these titles. You hold them until July, but you don't actually defend them on TV once. And then at Extreme Rules, the B team, which is Curtis- so, so so
2: so each time we came out was non-title matches. We just
1: non-title matches, correct? I
2: I, I can't tell you one time uh, when I was talking about this story with uh um <laughs> with um Vince and Bray. There was one time we came through after something. He's like, you know, you guys have the chance to you know to be special, being like any other tag team in history. You know, you you guys are these two really interesting characters. You know, we're like. Ray, why didn't you do that spider walk? You know, what's wrong with you? Are you, are you, Can you not shaking? You're not doing anymore. And he like really laid into him. And then he said, Why don't you do this? He said, You're not even playing the gimmick. And I did this and you didn't have your hands up. And he was really, he was just like, just like reaming, reaming wind him out after this match. And I was like, man, boss, what what did I do wrong? He said, Nothing. You were fine. But he, you this, and then I turned back to him. And I was like, and, and I even told him afterwards, I said, dude, I said, I, I honestly feel like, you know, it's just like one of those things. Vince, like, has this interesting relationship with you, like a son. I feel like he's back there and he's, like, reading you the riot act because he, like, he cares. And he, like, wants well, you to be as good as you can because I've seen it where he likes you. And, like, he's just uh, putting you over to the, to the max and talking about how great you are. And you're, like, the apple of his eye. You know, but it maybe it is, too, just because you've always been in the WWE system.
1: And, and, I, and his dad too mike rotunda being there in the producer setting
2: yeah but but i mean when he got hired you know his dad obviously has been in the business firm but he got hired and he started in developmental WWE developmental and then once he came up you know to the main roster he was on the wb roster but he never he'd never done independence or he'd never worked for other uh, ring of honor or tna or you know an impact or indie whatever he'd never done any of that and i, I think Vince knew at that time and I feel like my relationship I, I'd worked with him enough over the years and this time back, he's like, Well, you know, if I start like, you know, you know, reading the riot act to Matt, if I start like, you know, jumping down his throat, like he, he didn't whatever, he didn't care. He'll just like leave. He you know, like he 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 he's not afraid to, to leave and go outside Alexandria. You know, and, and I feel like I, I even feel like Wyndham when he was released from W D B, it was like a very strange feeling, like, oh my God, like I've never done anything outside of here. Can I? Can I? And that's like a. I think that's the inner question a lot of people have, especially just been in the WWE system yeah. their entire career. They they second guess themselves.
1: I mean, just even the comment there about his weight and yeah, that just that feels like a head coach almost bullying the player to try to show more hustle out
2: there. I mean that that, that I mean it was he he was he was like I I've seen him. During that time, when I was back there, be really good and be, like, so supportive and trying to lift Bray up. And then I saw him, too, where he'd be, like, so hard on him, like, you know, like you said, like a coach, like, really, really tough on him. Like, almost, you know, like, kind of cruelly tough.
1: So, at Extreme Rules, the B team, which is Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas, which is Bray's brother yes, in real life, they defeat you to win the championship. And the wind, I guess, is just kind of
2: out of the sails, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. We were done. We were done then.
1: Is, it, is, did anyone say anything to you about that, or
2: no, no? I, I could just tell it was like as time went on too. I could feel like there was just like maybe one of those things. Just like I, I feel like I feel like Vince uh, just he'd kind of just kind of given up on the concept of us together. Like he had this idea of how he envisioned it, and he thought we could be very special together as characters, and then that never came to be and then he was just, like, ready to move on. Yeah, I mean, I I could definitely feel it during that.
1: Yeah, and you guys remain a team into September, and you then take time off of TV to heal. You tweeted about your lower back and pelvis starting to fuse together. Was that the reason for your absence?
2: Well, it it started when him was gone. I want to say he got into a car crash right at the end, and I I don't remember if this was like a – was known publicly I, it probably was but i ended up having to do some singles on some matches these are right after we lost the titles and i just feel like he he was going to be off tv for a little while and and just to clarify the record too which i'd said that that was something that it had where they'd said some of my lower back and pelvis was uh starting to fuse just from all the years of doing stuff but it would be something that shouldn't affect me and they said you know if you rehabilitate it you know it, it, you should be found whatever so i did kind of put that out there and and just when I was off TV, you know, like people kind of came with it from a sympathy aspect. So, you know, I'd let that, let that story ride. Ben, that is the
1: game Omega. Catching yeah,
2: up But it, it's one of those things. It, it was great to have that time off because that is when uh, I, there was a lot of times that I was, like, barely working on the road then, and I was able to get in real good shape. It's just, like, off time. It's just crazy. Like, right now, like, I travel so much. Between my travel and work schedules, my day job during the middle of the week and then working on the weekends and being at home with my gaggle of children every minute of my day is almost usually accounted for.
1: So when I look back at all of this, to Bowtie, this whole Woken and Bray Wyatt story here, I I kind of was writing down some thoughts. And and here's my thesis that I came up with. And I'm curious as to what your assessment of it is. I don't believe Vince McMahon truly ever understood Broken Matt or Bray Wyatt even, for that matter. It's very easy to get sucked in by the bells and the whistles of each character and the aura of the promos that they have. But there's so much thought put into the backstories and actions of each character that when those are overlooked, well, maybe it leaves the viewer focusing solely on certain elements rather than the entirety of their depth. What do you make of that?
2: Yeah, I mean, pr- pretty accurate. He, he definitely 100% didn't get uh, the Matt Hardy, broken Matt Hardy concept, you know. And, I mean, he never watched it. He just knew it. people liked it, and it was, like, over, and uh, it, it was turning heads and making people talk. You know, so he gave it a shot. But w- once again, it's just he, he's like that too, man. Vince is a very, a, a very, very much a business guy. You know, if he has something, he will do it. And if it works, he'll roll with it, especially if it's something that is like. Kind of created in something he feels like is his mold or his shape, something that he really likes and he really understands if there's something he doesn't understand, even if like it starts getting over sometimes, sometimes it's just like, eh, I don't really get it and it's not my toy. Just kill it. I, I, I do remember how Carl Anderson was so funny. And he would say this after I came back and, you know, after I'd had my run as Wilkin Mount Hardy, he said, can you believe it, Matt? He said, the only promoter in all of the world that can kill off two of the hottest acts in all of wrestling, the Bullet Club and Broken Matt Hardy, is Vince McMahon, and do it within one calendar year. How impressive is that? <laughs> a, a very famous Carl Anderson line that I, I get text every once in a while.
1: <laughs> well, talk about
2: and, and and I and I do I do want to say this too. Like later on, <clears throat> the network people knew there was still like a lot of equity in the broken Matt Hardy character and like the the you know the the broken slash woken universe. And we did that one network special, the House Hardy Halloween bash or whatever. And it was it was Papa great. Shango
1: was in that right.
2: Papa Shango was in that, and we yeah. had a little bit of but it was like I. I'd asked them, I was like, well, can we, they, they said they would love to do it. And I said, okay, well, that's cool. Like, you know, I can come to TV and do a different character if we can do this. And like, they were so petrified, all the network people, to speak to Vince about it. And eventually, I just had to go knock on his door, wait in line, knock on his door. And then they go, hey, Vince, like, can we do this House Hardy special where I'm woken Matt for the network? I said, I can be Matt Hardy of the Hardy Boys or whoever you want on TV. That's fine. But I, I think this is something that's different. It's not wrestling. It's not in the ring. It's kind of like in a universe to itself. And I think people would really like it. There, there's a market for it. He said, yeah, that's fine. I'm, that's fine. And that's like all it took. And then we got to do that. And then they changed the budget. It, it ended up being a, a great success. It did really good numbers on the network, too. It was really fun to watch. I was like, this is cool. I'm cool with this. If I just wrestle as Matt Hardy, you know, whatever. Actually, I pitched to even coming back. I want to do version one there again with the old entrance and everything else. But I never got never got that green lit either. You know, ultimately, Jeff and I came back and we did the you know, back to the classic act of Hardy Boys, you know, but like the the budget got knocked down a little bit for some network stuff because of some changes that were going through. And then everybody, once again, was so worried about asking Vince to like, can we do more of these specials? Because they did really good numbers. I mean, it's just he is a very commanding figure. And those people there are very intimidated by him. And I, I just remember it never happened. That was going to be a reoccurring thing that we we're going to do like four years. You know, we're going to do quarterly things, you know, just around different events of, like, house-hardy specials. And that, that would have been great. I'd been totally cool with doing that, too.
1: Was there almost a sense of relief when this all kind of died down a little bit and no one else was going to be touching your baby for for a little bit here and you're going to get to take some time off and just do your thing?
2: Maybe. Maybe so. You know, it's just like <clears throat> I, I just I, – I look back and I, I wish it could have been – uh different and i wish it could have been better i, w- I wish it could have really like you know been like a very special moment where it broke out and became something very special but like it just it, it wasn't meant to be and like you know vince didn't, vince didn't get it and if vince didn't get it at WWE, what you're doing then eh, it's, it's not gonna work <laughs> you know because it, a lot of things really most everything depends on him really getting it and liking it for it to work
1: so then bray wyatt throws a hail mary and he invents this Fiend character where yes. he has these children show vignettes. They're a little cinematic. I thought the depth of storytelling and the little intricacies and attention to detail were unbelievable in this.
2: I love the Fiend. I, I also loved, uh, you know, the, the, the kids host uh, Bray Wyatt too there.
1: To see that flame out, for similar reasons, because Vince harped on certain aspects of it rather than the entirety of it. it, was really disappointing as a viewer. And it ultimately leads to his release. What was your reaction to Bray's release?
2: Uh, it, was, it was shocking. I mean, because he was one of the biggest merch movers they had. And that's usually a pretty important, uh, pretty important part of a performer's longevity around there. If you're selling a lot of merch, usually that means you're making money. You know, so it, it was very shocking, very disappointing. I don't, I don't even know if it was because he'd resend a new contract and it was too much. And they just like, you know, it's one of those things is it's very much a business now more than ever. You know, if they have a guy that they feel like is making too much money and no one's expendable, you know, and, and, and it's right. They've, they've built a brand around WWE. you know, Vince McMahon doesn't need any one certain town. They've, they've really built it around WWE, and that is what is, is the draw. And it's funny. Even you said the thing about the theme uh whenever they doing, you know, the once again the duality between the fiend and and Bray White, the, you know, like uh Mr. Rogers type kids television show host or whatever. You know, they there was a pitch to get me uh to try and resign my contract. Whenever I was doing that angle with with uh with Randy, they were also going to do something uh besides the angle with Randy, they set a big match with Bray at WrestleMania and they said, what if we did something now where Bray is doing something as the theme and people are trying to stop him. And then all of a sudden there's, uh, um, uh, an appearance of a, of a very hardcore Matt Hardy that shows up. And then like this, uh, will the wisp or this hardcore Jeff Hardy that shows up and then they like squash, the, you know, squash these guys out and run them off or whatever and like save the theme, but they're very serious characters. But then we see the talk show where Bray is the Mr. Rogers and he's talking to all the kids and he's having the, the, the show. And then you see Broken Matt, he shows up. And then Will O' the Wisp shows up. And they're part of this show as well. So you guys are like him, but you work as a tag team. You have like a Fiend type character versions of yourself. And then you have a Broken Matt and a Willow. And then you're also doing that deal, which sounded very, you know, sounded very cool and awesome. But also knew at that time that would probably last six or seven weeks and then it would be done. So I was. I was already mentally checked out in AEW bound.
1: <laughs> you were not ready to let that one play out. And I do not blame you for that because I think you're 100% right. Your intuition would have served you well, Matt Hardy.
2: I've just been around too long, brother.
1: Let me ask you this last question before we get a couple fan questions in and then we'll wrap things up because I know we've gone a little longer. But um, is there a spot in any other wrestling organization? For Wyndham Rotunda. You said he's a WWE lifer. Do you think he would no, be... No, no, no. A- I, I don't mean he's a
2: WWE no, lifer. No, like,
1: like to this point, I'm saying. To this point he's yeah. a WWE lifer. Do you think he would be able to carve out a niche for himself in of another course. company? Just, but, but here's the thing, and here's yeah. my counterpoint, is that it almost feels like he's typecast because we've only known him as this one thing his entire career. This very secular, specific type of character. So do you think he could fit into the wrestling space and how so?
2: I I mean, I definitely do. I I think he's very talented. He's also very versatile. I I think he could come up with something different that could be extremely riveting and captivating somewhere else. I mean, I I think he's that talented. You know, I know right now he's doing some acting. I was actually texting back and forth with him uh, a little, a little bit today, you know, but like, uh, I, I know he has a desire to, to wrestle again at some point. And, um, he'll be okay wherever he is. And and I would just, I mean, I I feel like he would probably enjoy some of the freedom if you're outside Alexandria, because it's different. You kind of have to survive on your own, but you also kind of control, you also kind of control and also form your own destiny when you're outside of Alexandria as well. And when I say Alexandria, I mean the WWE, which is a safe space. So um, I, uh, I, I think he will wrestle at some point again. I think he would, I think he would do absolutely fine outside of,
1: WWE. Let's answer a few fan questions, then we'll send it home here. Matt uh, Pat Pitts asks, "What makes Bray Wyatt so captivating when he has a microphone in his hands? What does he do differently that the next generation of talent could learn from?"
2: He he has a very unique ch- charisma with the way he he says things. His delivery is is really good, really unique. It was such a blast working with him, you know. And, and he just I, I feel like he thinks about things from a different perspective than most people do. And I feel like I, I do that sometimes, you know, and, and I really when I even said I felt like we were kindred spirits earlier, there were so many times we were like on the same page about things creatively, like oh, we should be doing this, we should be doing that. Or we'd have these different weird ideas and we'd all, almost like end up meeting in the middle somewhere. So I really enjoyed being around them. And then on top of that too, we have a lot of things in common, you know, just like in, in real real time personal lives too. You know, just like children, he's a big Proud of his children, guy too. You know, so we we talk about that all the time. Like he keeps saying this. And maybe one day we said he says, "Come on, you know, come on, hoot." He loves to that. He says, "You know, come on, hoot. Let's 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 meet you and and our mamas and and all the kids go on vacation together." He said, "We'll have a blast. We'll have a blast." You know, so maybe one day we'll do that. Uh, you know, maybe one day we'll head down to Florida and visit him. But like uh, he, he he he's just he's unique. He's a unique guy. He's a unique thinker, and he just has this special charisma and quality about him, especially when he's speaking.
1: John Kiernan, who does some awesome wrestling themes you should check out, uh, he says, The Fiend was awesome, however, I'll always be a huge fan of his cult leader gimmick. Do you think that Brace cult leader gimmick in the Wyatt family was just too far gone to be taken seriously, or do you think it could have been rehabbed, and what would you have done if so?
2: Um, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think things can can be rehabbed. I mean, professional wrestling, one of the beautiful things about it is that we kind of control our destinies but if you are going to rehab something you have to commit to the rehab you have to go all the way with it and you have to fully see it through and make sure it's done right so yeah i mean i it it probably could have but i think it was time for him to 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 change and just do something different and i feel like that's probably the best uh route of action for him anyway because he is such a creative guy and he's someone that could also be a, a reinventor like a Matt Hardy or a Chris Jericho and do it for many years over and continue to freshen up his act over and over.
1: And for the last one, I'm going to combine two questions here from two different people. Uh, Richie asks, how helpful was Bray Wyatt in the creative aspects of your rivalry? And two count Kyle says, how did Bray Wyatt fare for you along the creative minds that you've worked with? So I guess he's asking you almost to rank him in terms of creative minds you've worked with.
2: Uh, I mean, he, he was great to work with. I mean, especially when we would sit back and talk about promos and, and bounce stuff off one another, and especially like character ideas and like supporting characters. He, he he really he really had a great thought process on those wavelengths, and I I just feel like interacting with him as far as like uh, where does he stand as far as all time great characters. But I I know even Undertaker says some very kind, kind words about him you know, recently about how you'd love to see him come back and do that because he, 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 he does, man. He's just an out-of-the-box thinker. He's also a very interesting person, like some of this material that he reads and studies, like stuff that is just really out of the blue, you know, things that you wouldn't expect. He, he, he's a very well-versed and educated person, and he has, he has a lot of interest, you know, so that, that I feel like that makes him overly creative in many ways. And uh, his thought process of, like, trying to do things new and, and, and differently is, is, very, is very unique, so unique, and, and just very, very special just, just to himself. Is it not, not, not a lot of people think like he does. He's very unique, and, and it really is a very special talent and gift that he has when it comes to being creative.
1: I think Bray Wyatt, Winnemar is a generational talent. I really do. And he unfortunately just has never been able to quite get over the hump. But I hope that he gets that opportunity somewhere, be it in WWE or elsewhere. I truthfully think, Matt, at the end of the day, I think he will end up back in WWE should he want to go back there. And I think the opportunity will arise. And I hope we haven't seen the last of Bray Wyatt because there's still more meat on that bone. And uh, I, I really appreciate your insight here on this episode of the extreme life of Matt Hardy, man, I feel like I need a smoke break after that episode. That was, that was good stuff there, man. Uh, what can we look forward to next week? Because I I hear it's going to be another big one.
2: Well, next week we are going to do a deep dive into the first ever groundbreaking stadium stampede. Uh, it's a, it's a pretty amazing story getting there. And it was when we were all living and surviving in a time that was full of unknowns. It was the uh, early days of the COVID pandemic empty arena era. And uh, at AEW, we were looking for something to really make this pay-per-view special and make it stand out, you know, with this big rivalry that was going to ultimately kind of take the place of blood and guts, which was going to be a big event that we're going to have. And uh, kind of the two captains of the teams were myself. It's right when Broken Mount Hardy showed up in AEW, along with the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. And on the other side, you had the Inner Circle, which was kind of captained by Chris Jericho, along with Proud and Powerful, Sammy Guevara, and Jake Hager. So next week myself and Chris Jericho are going to sit down and do a deep dive into the stadium stampede 2020.
1: I wasn't sure if we were going to announce it, but there it is. We're, we're going to have uh, the leader of the Jericho appreciation society himself. And we're going to appreciate Chris Jericho here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. I'm very, very excited for it. It's going to be outstanding. And the way that you can help continue the good word of the extreme life of Matt Hardy, of course, is to hop on wherever you get your podcast. And what can they do for us, Matt Hardy?
2: Please leave a five, cinco, five, cinco, five. Start review. Leave five if you uh, fill up to it. And uh, take that review and take your comments. Give us your feedback. Take screenshots. Send them to either myself at Matt Hardy Brand or John Alba or to Matt Hardy Pod, the Extreme Life accounts. And uh, we are going to continue to give away stuff. We have contests. Last time we gave away a a badass TNA World Heavyweight Championship title that I signed personally. And I was very happy that uh, Maddie Palmer won it. Maddie Palmer V1. And uh, we're going to give away more stuff. We're going to just keep giving away stuff. We love giving away stuff. Yes, we do. We love each and every one of you supporting us week in and week out. So leave us that five-star review. Leave us a great rating. Leave us, leave it, leave us a great – I'm mixing things up. It's very late. Leave us a great review. Yes. Leave us that five-star rating and screenshot it. And we want you to win something.
1: Yes, we do. Maddie Palmer told me it was a very emotional week for him because of that. So I'm so happy to hear that. So
2: Outstanding.
1: The words have been spoken. We will see you next week here on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy.
2: Adios.
0: If you could change one thing about your home, what would it be? A new kitchen, a new master bath, maybe put in a pool. What if you could do it with no money out of pocket and cheaper monthly payments? SaveWithConrad.com can help, and you can even skip your next two house payments. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. SaveWithConrad.com.